0: Welcome into Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Otis Thorpe to my sleepy Floyd, the Chris Kamen to my Maurice Taylor. It's my my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, man? I was vibing with you with Otis Thorpe, and then you said Chris (laughs) Kamen, so, okay,
1: all right. I was thinking 94, 95 Rockets with Otis Mm -hmm. Thorpe, and then... You w- and then the, the, you said Chris came and then first thing came to my head was him laying across the bench in the middle of a game. So,
0: got that beard though. I, yeah, know? that's you, fair. You and, beards, and to be
1: fair, so. I've wanted to lay across all kinds of things this week and just you know pretend like life's not happening. So, yeah. okay, okay, I'll accept that today. I guess I'll okay. accept it. So,
0: right. I didn't go Michael Olajuwon or <laughs> Lamar Odom. So I felt like. Yeah, that, I, I would have
1: walked off the show if you if you said Lamar <laughs> Odom. I
0: just forewarning. I thought about doing that just to see. Your There's reaction. like
1: three players uh, that you could call me, and he's probably yeah. one of them. That if you did mm-hmm. that, this this podcast is over. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like we are, and our yeah. friendship might be done too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I only have like two friends now, so I gotta I gotta protect them. Um, I'm trying to on the intro every week. I'm trying to think of like a team. Like that's just been eliminated, and then picking players from the past of that team. So anyway, Clippers, Rockets—that's what we're going to talk about a lot in this this here podcast episode. Which let's—I mean, let's just say it up front—gonna be a long one, I'd assume. I don't oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: many things happened today, and it also, if you are listening or you follow us, we also had this to postpone a day. And a lot of things happened in the which. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Usually we put out an episode and then all the things happen and we can't talk mm-hmm. about it. So I guess we
0: kind of like, you know, yeah. broke that cycle this time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are recording a day or two late this week because of uh, because your your air conditioner quit on us. And, yeah, and uh, so yeah, my R-I-P. air conditioning was at
1: work, and I I feel like the listeners is probably better not listening to me when I'm <laughs> slightly on the on the verge of a. Mental slash anger breakdown. So
0: <laughs> I texted we so we were chatting uh yesterday trying to figure everything out and I texted you and I was like, Do you I mean I was you know give me an update on what's going on. Do you wanna keep going on do you wanna do this tonight? And you essentially were like, I think literally all you said was like, Yeah, we can but i could tell i could tell the tone from the text like okay this is not going to be a good one so we'll <laughs> we'll move to we'll move to tomorrow um otherwise we might mo- we might honestly it might be a great episode but we might both get fired for well early.
1: and you know and the thing is too is like if if you if you know me or if and if you don't know me like i am a very hot natured person and so like mm. i i run the yeah. ac in Texas especially probably ten months a year. And I also mm-hmm, run the year. I run yeah. the fans in the winter. So if mm-hmm. my house is above seventy four or seventy-five, like mm-hmm. it is not yeah. a good time for me. And I'm like like I immediately go to like sixty-year-old anger, you know, and so like yeah. just get off my yeah. lawn anger. And so <laughs> I I told you you know, during because I was actually at work when we were talking about it and I was like, if I go home and it's eighty degrees, <laughs> even if the AC is working, I'm gonna be angry. And yeah. the my recording, you know, area is is naturally hotter. The one of the hottest rooms right, in the house right. to begin with, and so I was like, this is yeah. just not going to be, this is not going to be a good <laughs> not, news. So, <laughs> n- n-
0: not conducive to us doing an episode and not, um, s- saying the things and the words that get us in trouble. So, um, yeah. at, at the very least, I would say so. All right, we're here. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk Clippers, of course. Um, we're gonna talk. Rockets, because we haven't had a chance to react to their total meltdown uh, of this year's total meltdown. Um, And I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk. I really can't like I I don't feel like a good person, but gosh, I have enjoyed uh, the last the last few days of of Rockets freak out. Um, we're going to make our picks for Lakers Nuggets. We're going to talk Nuggets. We're going to talk that first game of Celtics Heat as well. At the end of the episode, we're going to break down LaMelo Ball as we prepare for the NBA draft, which is officially November 18th. Mm-hmm. So mark that down on your calendar. So weird. Mark that down. Let's, I know it's so wheels off. Uh, but that's what we're working towards. So we did Obi Toppin last week. This week, we will be talking LaMelo Ball. But let's start with the All-NBA team, which was announced this afternoon while I was in a meeting. I texted you and our friend Ariel uh, from NBA Asians because there was like a, I think Sham, somebody put out a tweet that was like, All-NBA teams are about to be announced, something like that. And I texted <laughs> both of you and was like, preemptive. I'm preemptively angry for Luka getting put on second team, and it hasn't even happened yet. So just be be ready for that. But I didn't have to be angry.
1: Um, Yeah, literally like three minutes later, you sent the
0: results. (laughs) (laughs) I think they got it right. Uh, First team, all NBA, is LeBron, Giannis, Luka Doncic, uh, James Harden, and Anthony Davis. If I have a qualm with that, I can't really have a qualm because I did the exact same thing. Anthony Davis is not a center, but I don't really care. Positions and all that sort of stuff is stupid, so... That's your first team. Any any issues with those? No, it was anyone? my
1: first team as well. So, okay.
0: yeah. I believe we had the same first team. Uh, second team was Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, uh, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. Your thoughts on NBA second team?
1: It's been a hot minute since we've done our, we predicted our teams. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even really sure I remember who I had, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, no, I mean, like the hard thing too is that now after watching the bubble games and watching mm-hmm, the playoff games, mm-hmm. my my vision is definitely skewed on this too because yeah, like same. I definitely feel like I probably would have fought a little bit on Jokic being that high, um, but after watching him dismantle the Clippers last night, I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. That's that's where we needs to be. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think the only one that, that that sticks out to me is I had Siakam's second team, but whoever gave him a first team vote oh my needs to be. Be fired from everything because like that's crazy <laughs> like you can get mad about luca getting a third team vote or even james harden getting third team votes because like james harden got two third team votes yeah. which is i'm mad weird. about
0: both those things that's ridiculous yeah. for bo- but for i can at things.
1: least like i don't want to say justify that but like if you wanted to tell me like hey Damian lillard should have been on and over luca you know and sure. whatever fine but Siakam has no business, zero business, being above Giannis or LeBron, which means that you either had to put LeBron at guard and mm-hmm. then bump down Harden or Doncic for Siakam, or mm-hmm. you had to put him in over Giannis and LeBron, which is just asinine. That is so yeah. stupid.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> and Giannis and LeBron got a hundred, got a hundred percent. So what oh, yeah. you would have, to, what you would have to do is say that Le, for, in order to put Pascal Siakam on first team All NBA. You would have to say that LeBron is a guard, or I guess that Giannis is a center, and then put Pascal Siakam over Kawhi Leonard to make that happen. So yeah. that's there's no reasoning uh, for that to uh, for that to work unless you voted. Unless this person put in their vote in um, on, like, December 9th <laughs> when yeah. Siakam was tearing up. So,
1: Jay, our friend from That's a Rat Pod, if you have an All-NBA team vote, <laughs> we just yeah. figured it out. So right,
0: right. We're on to you. We are <laughs> on to you. Um, yeah, I didn't love that. All-NBA third team was, um, we'll say real fast, on second team. I had Chris Paul third team, and I had Ben Simmons second team. I didn't feel good about it. What I told you, I can't remember if I was talking to just you or Ariel as well, but... Um, or maybe Richard. I can't remember who I was talking to about this today. To me, it was Luca, James Harden, and Lillard were were uh, tier one of guards, mm-hmm. and then like the next seven, eight guards to me were all kind of jumbled together. Yeah. and so it was like Chris Paul, uh, Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kyle Lowry, whatever, Kimball Walker, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it was there were shades of gray to all of those in my opinion, and then. The next year would have been like the Trey Young, mm-hmm. Bradley Beal type group. So, so that was my that was my thing with that. Um, third team was Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, and then uh, Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. I know. I think Westbrook was the one who drew the most ire. Um, I I'm fairly certain we, we both had this.
1: him on our teams. Yeah,
0: we did. Yeah, yeah, and and. I think this is one of those things. I don't feel good about my vote. I would like to change my vote, <laughs> but, but I'm saying that in hindsight of, being, of having seen the bubble and all the voting was done before the bubble. And so I, I still think that was probably the right decision by the NBA. But I think the hardest thing is not just that Russell Westbrook had a terrible bubble, um, whereas somebody like Devin Booker obviously had a great bubble or Kyle Lowry was great for Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. All these guys, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray. I mean, there were so many guys who really burst out in the bubble. Um, whereas Westbrook did not. I think it's less that, uh, we, you know, we didn't get to watch those bubble games and more that just, I mean, when we did our episode on this and nothing we say matters whatsoever. So whatever. But like when we did that episode, we hadn't seen basketball in three plus months. Mm-hmm. And so trying to hearken back to what things were like in March and then sort of maybe even have a tiny bit of projection of like what did I think was going to happen over the next month of the season? And you're just kind of looking at stats and trying to remember everything that I don't know. I think that has a part in in Westbrook being there over Kyle Lowry. If if I if I could redo my vote, I think I would probably put Kyle Lowry ahead of Russell Westbrook. But I don't think that it was ridiculous the way that NBA Twitter was reacting to it.
1: No, and here's the thing too about, and I think I even said this on the episode, is that there's two things. One, we've been clamoring for years: positionless All NBA teams is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Just rank the top 15 players in the NBA on your in your eyes. That that should be what we do. To, to be honest, um, but if you know. The other thing too is that when you get to that third team, a, a lot of them are just so inter, you know interchangeable because because I mean, you could even argue Kimba Walker in some of these things too like and that's mm-hmm, the thing. For sure. And so yeah. like if you would have put in you know Kimba Walker instead of Ben Simmons and you know or you know, Kyle Lowry instead of Russell Westbrook, like I, I don't feel like like you said the guards are very like middle heavy in this in this mm-hmm. situation. So mm-hmm. like I just. I I feel like arguing about it all NBA 13 is kind of like arguing about the old school BCS, you know, rankings. I'm just like, I just, you know,
0: I I hate that. So (laughs) I think the best argument for getting rid of, of the positions in this whole thing beyond like the obvious, like no, well you beyond the obvious of, You're not really holding any rules on this because Anthony Davis played like, I don't know, 18% of his minutes at center, but you let this happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Beyond that, it's, um, if you look at the totals, for example, on, uh, like Russell Westbrook finished with 56 points, uh, Ben Simmons finished with 61 points for all NBA. A guy who didn't make All NBA was Chris Middleton, who finished with 82 points. He finished higher than both Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook in total points, but because he's a forward and the forward position is really strong in the NBA right now comparatively, then he gets left off the the All NBA team. Yeah.
1: And you could argue that Middleton's a guard too. Like that's the thing. Like oh, for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. You could yeah. and. Um, i mean if you if you're gonna allow for for Davis to be slotted as a center, then I definitely think you could you could position middleton as a guard. i I, I just and when you when you add those two things together of like of the uh, i to be honest, I don't really care about this, but but the NBA wants you to really care about this and they they show that by tying contracts to mm-hmm. all NBA teams yep. and stuff. and so it's really. It's really unfair to uh, to some of these guys who, uh, you know, had... I mean, Chris Middleton had a, had a really good season. He had a better season than Russell Westbrook did. He's not an All-NBA because he happens to be the seventh best forward instead of the fifth best guard. That's stupid. It's dumb. It, it's dumb. And if you're going to tie money to that as well, then just let it be the top 15 players. That's it. Let's just do it. Let's get, and that's let's the get thing is this.
1: that because it is tied to contracts, like this actually matters.
0: Yeah, you know, like exactly. it, it
1: matters with Rudy Gobert because mm-hmm, like he's mm-hmm. going to get a way be- bigger extension because of his awards. And it's like and that mm-hmm. and like it's not like a pro bowl or like an all star game, you know. And so. Right. Right. It, you know, I just because like if, if I'm Chris Middleton in a couple of years from now, I'm looking at another you know contract. Like it would you know, it really sucks that you could have made all NBA in 2020 and and mm-hmm. use that. And but now you can't. And so
0: for sure. Yeah, for sure. Alright, let's move on. Um do you wanna do you, you wanna do rockets or clippers first? Dude, I'm the game for whatever because I think either one's gonna be a lot of fun. Let's go clippers. That's freshest yeah. on our minds. Um what a dumpster fire. I <laughs> I've got some questions for you, I guess, with with the clippers. So I'll just let's let's get this out first and foremost. You is this a choke or no?
1: i I think it is because of the way that they handled themselves, Mm -hmm. not just in the bubble, but also all season. And something even today that came out that I completely forgot about was, I I think it was Paul George that was quoted like at the beginning of the year, like, you know, this is a championship or bust or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. someone called him on that in a, in like a you know an exit conference today, and he was like, "No, no, we still have, we didn't have enough time to play with each other, and so right, you can't really right. say it's championship or bust." I'm like, "Well, okay, y'all didn't have enough time to play with each other because y'all took half the games off this year. We're not mm-hmm. you know him yeah. necessarily, but you know, yeah, I just sure. it's just yeah. so I, I think yes, I think the fact that you you set yourself up for this on top of the fact that you." lost three of the four games to Denver with whenever you had a double digit lead in the second half. I think, yes, I, I think you can constitute it as a choke job. And I, and I'm not yeah. saying, I think Kawhi is, is a little bit void of that. Cause he was incredible. And even though he went over whatever in the fourth quarter of game seven, I, I feel like he still, you know, is a little bit, uh, blocked from that because everybody else okay. around him just was garbage.
0: And especially Paul Pierce. Sure. I mean, Paul, uh, Paul George, yeah that well that was my next question so i'll I'll segue straight into that i i will quickly i I mean yes this is a choke i listened to like simmons and rusillo today or yesterday talking about it and they were trying to i understood the point of fans especially but nba media as well throw around the word choke way too easily and you know that there are there are times that that we should probably refrain from that. Um, it also when you when you when you say a team chokes, it it almost comes with like this, I don't know, like a a subliminal message in some ways that like the other team was, it, it it's it's a little disrespectful to the other team, I think. When when you when you apply ch- the the choke moniker uh, inappropriately, I'll say. But yes, they're up three one. They're the be- they were the better team all season. Um they have I mean yes, this yes, this was a choke. On Kawhi, I'm with you. I thought game seven honestly, really games five, six, seven. I thought he was getting good shots. He just was missing. I mean, it's it's just I don't know. That's going to happen sometimes. We're we're so used to Kawhi bot hitting every single shot that he takes, but we also have to admit that like part of the magic of Kawhi is that he takes difficult shots. He gets Mm -hmm. to these spots that are tough spots on the floor and he shoots this sort of flat jumper that, that perpetually finds its way in. And so, you know, being a tough shot maker, we're going to talk about that with the guy we're you know, we're we're discussing in the, in the draft segment at the end of this, being a tough shot maker is a, is a pros cons situation. So sometimes you're going to have, Nights where they're not going in. I did not question Kawhi's effort for the vast bulk majority of this series like I do with a lot of the other guys that were that are on that team. The thing that it does, I think, put into question on Kawhi as far as his legacy or his place within the, the pantheon of the current NBA and, and the, the pantheon, and I don't know if he even gives a rip about this, so who cares, but... I I do think there's something to the idea that, like, this was a team that really needed somebody to be a vocal leader, and he is not capable of doing no, that. No, he is not that guy. And I'm okay with that. Like, that's not... There's nothing wrong that, that with was that. What, yeah, there that was one of the knocks on Dirk for a long time was was that he wasn't a he wasn't an in your face kind of guy and he developed more of that as it went along but it wasn't I mean that really isn't it wasn't his thing even up until you know his his final year it just wasn't that's not really who he is. And when he's in San Antonio and you have the culture and you have Tim Duncan and man I don't know that there was a super fiery guy in there but I know Tim Duncan for as quiet and and soft spoken as Tim Duncan could be, there was no question who the leader on that team was, and it was Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he's in Toronto, there's no question who the leader of that team is, and it's Kyle Lowry. And that's the dude who's who's, you know, firing up. And so I think about somebody like Steph Curry, who I'm never gonna question Steph Curry's intensity or seriousness or anything like that. But Draymond is sort of the engine that, that drives that team, at least from a, an emotional standpoint. And that's needed, I think, especially when you're collecting a group of guys who, let's be real honest, carried themselves as if they'd already won the thing from October on.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things, too, is that you've kind of been on the on the boat of, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna figure it mm-hmm. out. Like they're gonna pull it together. They're too good not to pull it together. And I've kind of been on the other end of the spectrum of and I'm not saying this to say that I'm right, but you know No, you were. You well, definitely
0: were right. I mean, yeah. but compared to me, I was much more in the camp of this is the best team in the league. I don't think they're a great team because there's not a great team in the NBA this year. Um, but I, I did think they were the best team in the league and they have the most talent and that they would be able to flip it on or ramp up to it, uh, at the right time. And they absolutely could not. I was 100% And, and that's the thing
1: that the, the difference is for me. And the reason why I wasn't ready to say that is that because of what you hinted at, which is of the type of personalities they have brought in. And, and it, that goes with Kawhi being a calm leader. It goes with Paul George being Paul George. It goes with Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris and, uh, Montrez Harrell showing themselves a little bit in this bubble. Um, You know, and like if this was Golden State, like and you said that, I'd be like, yeah, I 100 percent agree with you because that's Golden State. And one, they've proven it even in Golden State's, you know, early couple of years, like if they like they had the kind of players that, you know, you could see Mm -hmm. like, okay, like I can see what's happening. And yes, this makes sense. But sure. With with the Clippers, you could I to me, I I just felt like it was I would have fully admitted that. I could have been wrong or that it was, it was a 50, 50, but like I, the, the fact that people were so willing to like just ignore that mm-hmm. they basically mm-hmm. have not done anything right since February, you know, they started trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, before, they were playing the really
0: well when, the, when things shut down, yeah. they were like on eight zero run when, when, when the shutdown came and it felt like, okay, this is what, this is what I thought we were getting with the Clippers. But here's the but other like thing
1: last- too, is that, There was so much talk after last season about, in in understandably and rightfully so, there was so much talk of, you know, Kawhi has to be in the same conversation as LeBron and KD. He has to be in. -hmm. In last year, I agree with you, and and I think he was hands down the best player last year, and may have been the best player in the last five years last year. But Mm. like KD and LeBron and Curry and all these other guys that have that have. One things, they don't like, they don't have that kind of night necessarily as much as Kawhi did on on the game seven last night. And am not saying that he's mm-hmm. not, but it just like that that to me kind of takes out a little bit of that conversation whether it's fair or not because you just don't you don't see that happen. Like I mean, like like he's not the kind of take over guy, which kind of goes back to your point of he needs that Tim Duncan, he needs that Kyle Lowry, he needs yeah. that guy that kind of can amp up the team around him and then let him do his quiet work you know and that's
0: yeah i i think he's the type i mean i know he can be the take over the game type of guy but he's not going to be the table take over the the um the bench or the locker room type of guy and you you probably and you definitely don't you don't have that anywhere else i i think pat bev wants to be that or thinks of himself that way but he's not he's not that and he definitely wasn't in the bubble. I like legit want to know if he was having a breakdown or something. There was, I mean, even for him, he was off his, off his rocker, um, in the bubble, but they're definitely not getting it from Paul George, you know, and they're not getting it from Lou Will or, or I think Harold maybe is somebody who who kind of wants to style himself that way, but he, he didn't really bring it either. It's, it's, I don't know. It, there Jokic was a lot of him off the on.
1: court too. That's the thing. It's like, Oh my
0: gosh. Jokic's just, just, dist- dist- I mean, Dude, Harold cost himself a lot of money. And I I mean, I say cost himself. It's, it's really not his fault. He was he was gone from all the warm-up to deal with the family stuff. And I, you know, I feel for him on that. But he's not getting paid now what he would have gotten paid if uh you know, if he'd hit free agency in March mm-hmm. or something. I mean, it's it's significantly less. But I, I think the point is the this is a team that all season we even talked about this in our preview of the of the restart. This is a team that all season pretended like chemistry didn't matter. And they had the talent to say that. I mean, at least enough for me to say it's possible or maybe even likely that it doesn't matter when you have this much talent. But all season long, they played as if chemistry and being together and the regular season that all this stuff doesn't matter at all. And then they went out there and they choked it away. And they made it very clear. I mean, last night they were using it as an excuse. Well, Denver, I mean, we've only been together for one year. We never got a chance to really figure each other out. Denver's been playing together for a long time. That's very true. Those things are are, are accurate. But also, you chose this path. Mm-hmm. You you chose to to do the load management thing and to only play a certain number of games. And I think, what did they end up playing? Like twenty. Kawhi and, and Paul George played like twenty five games yeah, together. Yeah, the number or was
1: before. crazy low. I mean, like I, it kind of shocked me,
0: actually. <laughs> and and that showed on the court because when when things got tight, and and also I think what you're seeing too. This is a, kind of a side point, but like. Uh, I would say probably everybody except for Kawhi. Everybody on that team is a front runner of the highest order. Mm -hmm. And so when things are going well, man, things are clicking and you're, you're vibing and you're hitting, you're finding open shots all over the place and things are are moving smoothly. But when things clamp down, which is by the way, that's the freaking playoffs. That's what happens in the playoffs. They had no idea what to do offensively. And I want to talk about doc in just a second too, because that's a huge point of, of contention right now, but Uh, but, but you could see when Denver, when things got tough for Denver, they knew who they were and they knew what to do. And it's, it's Jokic, it's Jamal Murray, it's, it's pick and roll, pick and pop at the top and just, you know, uh, dribble handoffs and all this sort of stuff. And they just, they would get into a group and then suddenly Jeremy Grant's getting open for threes and suddenly Michael Porter Jr. is hitting shots and you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it all came through because they knew who they were and they knew how to play together and they're out there doing it. The Clippers absolutely did not. I, some of those possessions down the stretch of both games, six and seven, I was just like, what is happening? These dudes look like, it looked like a pick, like, like one side had been playing together for 10 years and one side was a pickup team assembled five minutes before the game started. It was ridiculous. They had no idea what each other were going to do on the court or, or how to get to the spots that they needed to get to. It just, everything You literally, it was like, okay, Kawhi's got it. And then all four of the other guys, maybe somebody would come and set a screen, but most of them just kind of drifted away. And then Lou Williams would have the ball. And then all four of them would just kind of drift away. And then Paul George would have the, I mean, it was just, it was awful to watch down the stretch. And what do you know? It turns out that it actually does matter to figure things out in the regular season and know how to play together before you get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I also I think they went from being like public like went from being like oh like we like this team and like well mm-hmm. look what's happening to like basically public enemy number one. I, they really showed some ugly personality of their team yeah. in the bubble. Yeah. Like and and like I'm not saying that that's you know not normal and like there's people talking trash and like that's actually like me and you both actually love that and we're, and, yeah, you know and yeah for sure. But it was a different kind of like. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, when Pat Beverly was out in the Mavericks series, like, it's just, it was just, like, dude, you are out of the game, just relax, right. you know? And it just, it was, like, like, like kind of like to your point, it just, it seemed like it took to a, an uncomfortable level. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. and also, too, like, let's just talk about how, like, what are they going to do from here? Because, like, you can't really do anything <laughs> to make this right. better, you know, like this is kind of what you got, sure. minus a couple of role players here and there, and you might be able to get some veterans to come on on like a vet mm-hmm. minimum deal. But like, I mean, the Lakers are kind of you know not a great example of that right now because they're still winning, but like right. that team is not put together well, and mm-hmm. this one is kind of heading down that same road.
0: So there's a, there's a couple of things in there. One, you're because you're, you're totally right. They're pot committed. This is I I am of the opinion. That this is, well, like I said at the, kind of the outset of this, there's not a great team in the NBA this year. There is no, there is no Warriors with KD. There is no Miami Heat three, uh, uh, three or whatever. There is no, uh, Kobe Gasol, etc. There is no Celtics big three. There's, there's none of that. And so. And, and, the, and the Clippers are part of that. I, again, I, I've, I've, you know, I'm up, I fully admit like I was riding the Clippers thing the whole way of like, I think this is the team that's going to win the whole, the whole thing. I thought they were the best team, but I didn't think they were a great team. I, so I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that, that losing this year is not the, is not the biggest deal that it is being made out to be. I think it's that they lost the way that they lost yes. is is the problem. Um, You know, if if they would have lost to the Lakers in six or seven games, then nobody says anything. Honestly, if they would have lost to the Nuggets in seven games, but it was like in a more even series and Paul George played well and the coaching was good and all that sort of thing. It's just like, man, just the Nuggets, they 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 got they got hot at the right time. They beat us, whatever. Even that, I think we can kind of like it's just the way that it happened. of Having huge double digit leads, you know, in every single game and then blowing it and quitting every game down the stretch. And Just it was quitting. the Western
1: Conference semifinals. Like yeah, if you for go sure. back to the the Heat in two thousand eleven, like I mean obviously that was kind of the first big super team and there's been others since then, but they lost in their first year together, but they lost in the finals and they you know and they got outplayed and outcoached by a team that was ended up being very respected in hindsight Mm -hmm. and on, but they also played well, like they didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like they didn't get dominated necessarily in the series. And like, you know, we were a couple of minutes short of being down, you know, and probably losing that series, you know, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a, I think it's way different when you tout yourself as this big super team, and then you go right. out and and honestly, like we've said it before, they were one KP injection and one KP injury away from probably being a first round exit too, yeah,
0: or at least it, it's it's a real possibility mm-hmm. uh, to a team that they should have they should have dominated. And they look, like, like I don't even
1: fight. think that's a Mavs homer opinion. I think if anybody no, I, that watches that exactly. stuff and knows basketball can yeah. tell that that series was way more contested than it should have been for a Mm -hmm. team that's supposed to be the second best team in the West and the, you know, a team that's supposed to dominate everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think this is a, again, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm playing both sides of the the coin here, but like I don't think that they were a great team and that they had to win this year or, you know, it's championship or bust from my perspective. But I also think they put that on themselves and they acted like it was going to be easy. And that, I don't know. They made themselves. I mean, just think about the idea of LeBron, LeBron going to L.A. This is his third team. Uh, I, I, I don't know that his Q rating is that high at this point anymore. But a team that has LeBron doing his passive aggressive thing. Anthony Davis is one of the least like superstars, I think, from a public standpoint um, in the league. A team that has Rondo, a team that that has all these personalities, and that are the Lakers, and almost everybody was rooting for the Lakers over the Clippers. Like that's an amazing thing to have happen. Like, because you have made yourself so unlikable with the way that Paul George has carried himself, with Marcus Morris, being a just a total idiot the entire time with with Pat Beverly, with with all of this stuff, it's they they made themselves they made themselves, they, they painted the target on themselves and made themselves public enemy number one and then didn't back it up. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, you're asking for it when it gets that. But I'm with you, dude. I, for next season, this is a place, this is a time where the deep pockets of your ownership should be able to see you through because there's not very many dudes in the league in ownership who are worth more than Steve Ballmer in fact i don't know that there's anybody i haven't looked at a list recently only but if, that dude, if
1: bezos buys a team that's about the only person that can <laughs> right, challenge right
0: that. yeah yeah exactly i mean balmer just has money on money on money and if you if you if you're serious about this you're pot committed to it you've traded all your draft picks for the next like seven years and both Kawhi and paul george can become free agents after next season well okay man then you're gonna have to pony up to to bring reinforcements because I mean, even if you just wanted to keep the team together, Morris is a free agent, Harrell is a free agent, uh, somebody else in that group is, is a free agent. So you're going to have to do that. But you also, I mean, can you take this exact team and run it back next year and just trust, hope that some chemistry builds? I, I don't know that you can do that. I think you need some some margin of error, um, if nothing else. And so are you willing to spend all the extra money that, that comes with that to go deep into the luxury tax, you know? Mm-hmm. and what do you do with doc and then let's move on where, where do you stand on on doc at this point i i think i i would be
1: you can't bail on him after one year of this i i just mm-hmm. think that's that's short-sighted because I, I think if you do that you're you're kind of setting off the alarms a little bit more than you should you should because like, mm-hmm. like like you said to your point it, they need to come back with the same team but then restock a little bit and then mm-hmm. the, the question is going to be from there is can doc coach them to come out with a head full of steam like 2012 heat did right you know or right. if they come out and do the same bs then then that's a different question then that's the then then you start getting into the okay who do we need to get off this team to make it play better is it doc or is it paul george is it mm-hmm. you know the host of you know mary misfits you know i don't know like it's sure and so i i just don't think you can do anything with like i think if it was like a younger coach you know or an un, an unproven coach would be a little bit different story but mm-hmm. doc has too much clout in the league and i think mm-hmm. and even from a non basketball perspective the things that he did in the bubble um, yeah for social justice and change and stuff like if you if you put him on the street like that affects that and i don't think they should take that lightly you know and i so, totally agree and so yeah. I, I like that may be a little unfair but I mean, that's happening with multiple coaches too. Like, there's been other coaches that I have, since this stuff started in February, have been stepping out for social justice and stuff. And it's like, okay, that they're they're connecting to their local cities on a personal, mm-hmm. more personal level. And I think you have to be careful about take ripping that out from you know right. a city like LA,
0: especially. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think Doc's roots run so deep into that organization that I don't think you can. It was just really interesting to watch because I, I I said very recently I think Doc is a top seven coach in the league whatever, but I have always acknowledged I I don't know if I've I've said so here but I'm sure I have at some point I mean the X's and O's are the are the worst part of his his coaching game I mean he's a he's a great people manager he's a great preparer. He's great at, at pregame adjustments, all these sorts of things. In-game adjustments, is not he's not good at it. He, he's way too stubborn on on a lot of these things. And he got just completely out, outdone by, by Michael Malone. Uh, I mean, he got wrecked by Michael Malone.
1: And this is the other thing, too, is that if this team plays more together during the year and gets more comfortable, he doesn't have to do as much of that X and O uh-huh. stuff to keep them on top. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the other thing is that like, this is actually, in my opinion, like one of the perfect teams for him to coach, because if they, he just kind of lets them do their thing and they do what they're supposed mm-hmm. to, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. worry about X's and O's as much. You know, and so that's another right. reason, I think, not to get for rid sure. of him.
0: For sure. But also, the other thing is, too, I'm not cutting, I'm not giving him an excuse on this, but like we know and there's been more that's come out over the last day, because I don't think that that I don't think that people were real thrilled about it and have been sort of quiet waiting to see if this would work or not. This whole experiment of like the regular season doesn't matter. Chemistry doesn't matter, blah, 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 blah. Um, Maybe some of this stuff would not come out if they'd gone on to win, you know, the title or whatever. But like uh, Kawhi's people essentially told every team that they met with that like, here's how I'm, here's how we're doing things. And you need to agree to that, or I'm not going to sign here. And part of that was load management, part of it was the way that he practices and trains and all this sort of stuff. And so, I don't mean this isn't necessarily an excuse for Doc, but I don't know that Doc was able to coach the team this year the way that he would have liked to without. Having all of those restrictions from the other side of things, totally if that makes sense. And now again, if your strength as a coach is your you know your your relationship with with players and the way that you're you know able to motivate them and stuff like what it is for Doc, then you need to figure those things out moving forward. But I don't know if they come back next season and either run it back or run it back with extra pieces and they still aren't able to get over the hump, then I think you have to have that conversation about doc. Um, but this is one of those situations where I would rather, I think I would rather be a year late than a year early, um, on, on the coaching. side. It just was really interesting that like, I think as a whole, we acknowledge that doc is a really, really good NBA (coughs) coach. And goodness, over the over the weekend, it was like the floodgates were open, and it was like open season on on Doc. It was just it was well, it was very. And, odd. and one last point I'll make too is like the the whole
1: stat of he's lost three different three one comebacks, and he's done three twos. I'm like, yeah, he's also coached for thirty dang years. Like you know, <laughs> give him a sure. little bit of a break yeah. on that stuff. Like like the fact that he's been in the playoffs for multiple decades should be enough mm-hmm. for you to like shut up about that a little bit. So, yeah.
0: I mean, look. Great coaches have bad series. It ha- I mean Popovich has lost, I think, three times as as the the uh the favorite in a first round series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Nick Nurse last year got got outcoached by Brett Brown in that that Sixers series and then he you know he recovered. Kerr has had times where he has been outcoached and had poor series in his rotations and things like that. I mean it happens. I just I don't know. I think you have to look at the at the the bigger picture. I do understand the thought of is this a Toronto situation where we needed to cut bait with a really good coach and Dwayne Casey and bring in the right coach and Nick nurse. I kind of understand that thought process. I just don't think it, it actually applies here. So, um, I would start with, Hey, Paul George, make a freaking shot and play with some urgency for the first time in your life, for the first time in your life, actually come out here and play hard. Like this actually matters to you. Mm-hmm. That'd be my first thing. Um, yep. What a joke he was. I, I just, good grief. Good grief. Um, be plenty of time for more Paul George slander later, I'm sure, because he, I, I just, I think he is who he, who he is at this point. Gosh, I was offended by Paul George in Game 7. The way that he approached the game in the last eight minutes I wanted to vomit, and I did, I was actually rooting for the Nuggets to win, you know. So it wasn't like I'm like getting angry about the the this this team that I'm that I'm for is losing. The way that that dude with the skills that he and and talents that he has been blessed with, the way that he approached the game in games five, six, and seven, made me want to vomit. I, I just, good gracious, what a. What a garbage way to approach the game kills me. Uh, kills me to see somebody just completely waste their talent like that, and then to do it too in the in the the, the uh, post game press conferences and stuff like that. I mean, every other dude on the on the the Clippers from Doc on down. Was like, yeah, we failed. We messed this up. We we got to figure things out. Blah 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 And Paul George is out there saying, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't championship or bust or anything. Get, get out of
1: here. Every, get every year here. should okay. be championship or bust. Whenever Luca did his post game <laughs> or postseason season yeah. conference, he said the goal every year is to have a championship. And so, like that that right
0: there should show you the difference in you know those two players. So tired of guys like this. Let's talk about the Nuggets really fast. We will have more time to talk about the Nuggets next week because they're still in the playoffs. Um what did you see from this team that imp- that impressed you as they were able to to finish this thing out and come back from that 3-1 deficit They
1: they move the ball so well and I think that they the fact that they just have these players that take over and they do things that you don't really expect them to do. I mean, Murray obviously gets his points. And, like, I mean, even, like, Jokic, like, in Game 7, like, he he looked like – like, I was watching the game, and I, I wasn't really paying attention to the stats, and I was watching him, and I was like, this dude probably has, like, a, you know, 30, 15, 10, triple, double right now. And I look down, it's, like, 12, 22, and 12. And it's like, that's such a weird stat, but he was just owning everything. And it, it just, like – I loved watching how they move the ball. I love watching how they create space for their shooters. And they they are the epitome right now, in my opinion, of the the team that no one was giving a chance and then they're now they're using that. Which is I think why they have mm-hmm. they're so successful in this comeback stuff, because they don't they don't ever quit and they that's like, you know, Having the having come back from two three one deficits is crazy. It's like, okay, maybe don't do that this next time and just see what happens, you know, but like we're not we're yeah. also not talking about the fact that and that and we kind of didn't even go over the fact when the clippers were using the whole like you know, well, they had to be, they couldn't play more than three minutes in the fourth quarter. Well, Murray played 40 minutes, 45 minutes oh in that gosh. game. Yeah. They had a seven game series before where Murray was playing like over 40 minutes for every game, and they went to overtime in a couple of those games, and they had two days off before this series started. So, like, the fact that they just kept plowing through everything was really impressive to me. Now, mm-hmm. I will admit I was wrong about them. I thought they were gonna get dominated. And I thought and I even told you and fake probably out the air, like, I don't think that they should have beaten the Jazz. I don't think they would have beaten the Clippers or the Mavs, whoever they would played in the next round. And mm-hmm. they did. And so <laughs> I I'm not gonna, you know, go off and say that the Lakers are gonna handle them, but, you know, I, I still don't like you watch them, you're like, how are they in this game. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then you like, cause you know me, I, I'm a huge, like Millsap hater. I don't like watching <laughs> Millsap play, but even he is doing things. You're like, okay. Like, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, you know, that was a
0: much better matchup for him than, uh, than the, than the jazz were yeah. for, at, at, at his age. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it plays for the Lakers. Cause I'm with you. He was actually pretty important by the way. Again, Marcus Morris, <sighs> Marcus Morris trying to fight Paul Millsap, which give me Paul Millsap in that fight. Uh, I think had the exact opposite effect. Like it woke up, it woke up Millsap and activated the Nuggets, and then the Clippers had more of like, "Gosh, we got to deal with this idiot." I, I just what a what a. <laughs>
1: That's the thing is like <laughs> that works I mean. when you're you know Draymond, <laughs> you know, yeah. or or somebody that can back that up. But I think that like. Other teams, and I think the Mavs were you know like this too. I think other teams have realized like, dude, you're Marcus Morris. Like this is like your twelfth team, <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. had a you've had a good series and like you know against the Mavs, and you you had a horrible series against this team. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's not valuable to that team, but you're Marcus Morris, and yeah. you you know yeah. just like anytime that a guy like that runs his mouth, like I feel like that just is an extra. Like, that's an extra shot of adrenaline to a team that knows that they can beat mm-hmm. that guy up, you know? And so. I,
0: I totally, I'm totally with you. I think it has the the exact opposite effect of what it is intended to to do. Because all that tells me with a guy like Marcus Morris is I'm in your head. You're yeah. not in my head, sure. I'm in your head. And I, I don't know, I thought that that really worked for the The thing, I, I'm with you on the Nuggets. Like, I watched them play... A lot. And of course we I mean, I they were garbage through four games of that Jazz series. Just absolute garbage. Um and I hated the way they approached the bubble. I thought Michael Malone did a terrible job preparing the team for uh for, for the playoffs with the way that, that they approached uh those those eight those eight games and the restart and stuff. Wasn't real enthused about that, but I watched them sometimes and I'm just like, I just don't I don't really get it. And then all of a sudden they turn it on, and you're just like, Holy cow, when this works, it's and again i think it all comes down to well a that jokic is way better than even I, we both love nikola jokic uh-huh. and we still are underrating him um he's way better than than he gets credit for despite being a top 10 player he's probably better than that you know what i mean i said the same thing about like spo a, a week or two ago of like when we say top 5 coaches we're probably underselling how great spo is it's, it's probably the same yeah. way with Jokic but they have um they have a focus like they have a, a thing to go to that works really well and it generates open shots with that the top with that the uh, the pick and roll at the top with Murray and Jokic or Jokic and Murray and it just kind of centers them and so they're never really they're never really out of anything despite the fact that they've been down by 20 plus points a ton in this playoffs they're never really out of it because they can always kind of refocus and refine that center of everything and then they and then they, then everything builds off of that I think um but it comes down to Jamal Murray in the first four games of that series averaged 17 points on 38% shooting and in the last three games he averaged 29 points on 52% shooting and this is the thing with Jamal Murray that we've seen over and over and over again and I was taking a little flack from from our listeners for like being a Murray hater. I'm not a Murray hater. I just, he's he's streaky. And so, so far, you know, through two series against against the Jazz and, and the Clippers, um, he's been on the right side of streaky for enough games to get him through, you know? I mean, that's, that, that's kind of where it is with him. But then you have Jokic who, look, it's two things for me. And I'm curious what you think on this. Number one, he's suddenly a dead eye shooter. And that is something that I would not have seen coming. He shot 31% from three during the regular season on three and a half attempts a game. And in the playoffs, he's shooting 44% on six attempts a game. That's, I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but if he's going to shoot like that, he is a top five or six player in the league. Um, because he's always been an okay, like a, a willing shooter and a decent shooter but there's such a vast difference between 31% and 44%. I mean, that's just, that is crazy. But the other thing for me is there is no one like him in the league. And I think that makes him really difficult to prepare for. We, we see every game. It seems like every season, it seems like the league gets smaller and smaller. And we we're playing more and more five out offenses. And there are fewer and fewer legitimate centers and posts in the league. And then you get to this dude Jokic, who is the best passing big man of all time, um, maybe second to Sabonis, who we you know we never saw really. Um, don't in don't the sleep NBA. on Shaq. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a ridiculous passer. He he has these insane little post moves and stuff. They're all very non traditional, but they all work really well. And if he's able to hit those shots too, like I don't know what you. There's no real way to. To defend him um without giving up your offense elsewhere on the floor, or excuse me your defense elsewhere on the floor by bringing doubles and stuff because very few teams have a guy or two guys who are capable of of sticking with him when he's really rolling um I don't know what, what does that make any sense to you do you do you, any pushback on that yeah the thing about Murray is that
1: we're this is only the second time he's been in the playoffs, so we have to kind of mm-hmm. take that as well I mean and you've you've been on the more downside of Murray in his career because you're right he is streaky but here's the thing like like you said his numbers for this year last year he averaged 21 points a game in the playoffs he shot 46 percent, 48 percent from the field and 34 percent from three point which is not terrible you know mm-hmm. but maybe this is just kind of like a, maybe last year is kind of his getting his feet wet and then this year he's like he's just locked in You know, and, and honestly, like you, you can't ever like, not ever, you can't ignore the fact that maybe the bubble environment might be really good, you know, for players like him that can just kind of lock in. And not only that, you're not having travel, you're not having days off. And so if he is, if he is a naturally streaky person, then Mm -hmm. he's able to keep his, his mojo going whenever he's, when he's playing in the same gym every night too. So, I mean, there's gotta be a lot to to that. Um, but mm-hmm. I just don't think you can ignore the fact that like when Jokic is playing like he's playing and when Murray's hitting mm-hmm. shots that he's playing, like that's two guys on the court that you have to have covered. And they were doubling Jokic last night sometimes mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And they would, so if that opens up Jeremy Grant and uh Gary mm-hmm. Harris and Will Barton when he's playing, which I know he's not, but and then Paul Millsap even too, like they were mm-hmm. all knocking down shots last night and Like that's a deadly combo because if you if you if you can't leave Murray or Jokic open, you know, or you do leave Murray or Jokic open, like Mm -hmm. it's just there's there's a it's a lose-lose situation in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just really funny that this time last week we were basically ready to say, does Denver need to fire Mike Malone? And then (laughs) you know, and so now like it's the opposite. Like, give him an extension.
0: (laughs) I I do like what he does. There are still things in his – there's a lot of things in his coaching game that I don't really dig. But I. what I do like about him is he is – I don't know really how to explain this. He is very intense, but it's a calm intensity. And I think that's something that a lot of teams need or are able to feed off of because you – You can't have a coach who's just screaming at you in the NBA. It it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, And you can't have a coach who's too even keel and just kind of lets you get away with murder. He has this weird vibe where, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. Like, he is a very intense person, but he's also kind of self-deprecating, and you you very rarely see him, like, screaming on the court. You know, he, like, lost it on the refs at one point, um, in Game Seven, because uh, rightly so, there was a foul and he he went he went after them. But I think he did it to get the technical instead of Jokic getting the technical and stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird. Also, the the thing I maybe like most about Mike Malone is that he he plays ball with them when like in their mm-hmm. scrimmages and stuff. He like he's forty nine years old and he suits up and gets out there and runs with them. I love that. I think there's I don't know there's something to and maybe it's one of those things it's like if it's working it's really cool as long as it's working but the second that it stops working you're going to be like well dude but you're not a great in-game coach you know what i mean but but at the moment i don't know he he has he has a really good vibe for that team and the team itself then puts off those vibes and and it's i don't know there's just maybe that will be that will go away completely when they play the lakers but maybe it's just the contrast of watching the nuggets play and they clearly really like each other and they're they're really out there playing for each other versus what the clippers have been doing but i don't know there's there's something to the energy that he brings to the table that i think is is really good for that team and that maybe i've i personally have underrated over the last couple of years mm-hmm. so all that said lakers nuggets what's your prediction oh my i think that it's going to be <laughs>
1: i think the lakers are going to pull ahead i think that i i to to your point i think there's going to be some streakiness fl- fly back the other way and i think the, that they haven't seen a defense like the lakers yet either which mm-hmm. is weird to say yeah. considering the clippers are like you know a defensive minded team i know right um yeah but i, I think that that defense is going to be a little bit different and they actually have somebody to guard Jokic, you know and so mm-hmm. um i think lakers in seven probably it would be my guess okay
0: yeah, it's 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 weird to talk about how much I love what the Nuggets were doing and then be like, but I don't think it's gonna work versus the Lakers. I <clears throat> The thing that they have going for them again is as they, they know who they are and they have something to go to, and the Lakers at times still look not great offensively whatsoever. And so so there's that. I'm I'm real interested to see how Denver chooses to match up against Anthony Davis and how the Lakers choose to match up against Jokic. Um, well, and, who, that's and be also real... who
1: guards Jamal Murray? Because like that's Avery Bradley's yeah. spot right there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't think Rondo mm-hmm. can hang with him as much as people think he may, uh, might. I don't be able think to. so either.
0: And so yeah. that's but the thing is they're, if, they're if not... Jamal
1: Murray, you know, goes back to what he did with the Jazz and just shoots out of his mind, like I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like I would mm-hmm. not be surprised at all to see the Nuggets make a push. You know, but right. but because right. like I don't know who guards him for for that matter, and I don't know if LeBron can can be on him the whole game either so mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah that's I mean that's a big point is is they don't really have I mean it's it's it will be a team the, the, the if you're a Lakers fan you're saying well but we have a we play team defense mm-hmm. um and and that's how we do things it's it's not just man to man man on man like who's gonna stop this guy it's you know how they how they shade everybody the way that they they try to to sort of funnel the basketball to the wrong shooters and things like that um so we'll see i the what they have going for them that 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 the lakers have not faced yet to this point is that they don't ever quit because they have something to go to that really works you know mm-hmm. they just the lakers just played a team that it felt like you get up 20 if you get up 15 points it's over because this team doesn't have anything else to go to um and they are able i mean they took away houston's threes really really well and so uh but i i just at this point it feels ridiculous to pick against lebron and ad with what they've got i'll go lakers and six but i'd love to be i'd love to be wrong on that that'd be (laughs) that'd be nice i'm enjoying what the nuggets are doing um and what they bring to the table so we'll see We'll see how it goes. Uh, that series starts, we're recording this on Wednesday night. I believe that series starts on Friday. I don't think it starts tomorrow, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Houston Rockets. So, Tobin, I'm going to turn it over to you first. Uh, la- Rockets go out to the Lakers. No, no disgrace to lose to the Lakers, just just the way that they did it. Uh, they fall in five to the Lakers, having, uh, having quit in about... Three point five of those five games. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll let you go first. Where where are you at on, on your Houston <laughs> How happy are you right now? I mean and, uh, listen, and where you at on the Rockets.
1: We're not gonna be that's not true. We are gonna be that. But <laughs> like we we are unashamed Rockets haters. We know that. And and we and we but we I feel like we also do a good job of giving them credit when credit is due. And I think that we do sure. a good job of making sure that we show some unbiased you know, I don't want to say
0: opinions, but maybe some, some, uh, some, I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think that we are very fair in our analysis and very biased in our emotions. Sure. That's how I feel about it, but I don't know. So I have a
1: buddy that I, um you know, play in, in some bands with and stuff like that, and he He's a Houston you know Houston transplant you know and lived there and grew up with them so i I give him a little bit of a pass for being a Rockets fan considering he grew up with the Rockets and he also was you know prime basketball age when they won the two titles in 9495 and so I texted him after game six and not game six after game five and was just like, dude like how, how does it feel to keep <laughs> cheering for this like what do you what do you want? out of this because like like i know the mavs are not where you guys are and i know that my my fandom has not been to where you guys are and i and i I, I even told him i said i even appreciate that y'all made a push in the middle of the golden state stuff like wh- while the rest of us were just cowering in fear um but what do you want in this situation and he just went like gave me this paragraph of like basically the same things that we're saying and so like the fact yeah. that it's reached the houston fan base to me mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. pretty indicative sign of what's happening next And like and we've already seen it and d'antoni's already been I, I, he's already told them he's not coming back it's it wasn't a fired it was a i don't want a contract extension do not give it to me because he probably mm-hmm. saw the writing on the wall um Fertita came out today and said that he will have Daryl Morey back, which was a little bit of a surprise to me considering mm-hmm. Morey has been on the hot seat for all kinds of reasons this year. And considering the relationships that he has outside of the NBA, I was a little surprised by that. Um, and I I know that you've seen this and we talked about it a lot, but there is a ton of speculation on what's gonna, who's going to go out basically. And so there's so much talk about they can't keep this together, so we have to get out of here. Because, like for instance, like I, I have it, I have the numbers in front of me right now. They owe eighty three million dollars to two of their players next year, mm-hmm. Harden and Westbrook. Yeah. They owe fifty seven million dollars to Eric Gordon next. It, it, like they have they have him guaranteed, including mm-hmm. sixteen million next year. Uh, they're sitting at the luxury tax line at one thirty one million. salary, and they use nine of that nine of three nine and three of that for exceptions and they cannot exceed that because Fertita has been pretty um notorious for not going in luxury tax. They have no mm-hmm. draft picks forever, it seems like they have mm-hmm. literally traded everything away for Russell Westbrook, basically. And they are gonna lose Austin Rivers probably and lose Ben McLamore mm-hmm. probably. And your your role player that actually was decent for you at times this year got kicked out of the bubble. So, if you are the Houston <laughs> fan base, like you, can, oh, like, so man. we've seen two sides. I've seen this the rational side of I don't know what we need to do, but something needs to happen. But we've also seen the very irrational side of just putting your head in the sand and not realizing that there is a much bigger problem than, Hey, maybe we should just trade Eric Gordon That ain't going to fix it, man. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So man, I probably shouldn't feel as good about this as I do. Like it's just been a really, I don't know. It's just probably doesn't say great things about me, but the, the way that this is all unfolded, I don't know. I, the, the, I know you've listened because I demanded that you do it, but <laughs> listening to uh, listening to Harden My Take on SB Nation, I listened to two episodes of those guys, and that's the only podcast I listen to from now on. I, <laughs> the, I, I, I mean, I fully understand what it is to be a fan, and, and the way that I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. I, I can talk myself into almost anything that the Mavs do on paper, you know, and um, we should in the
1: in ga- and we should yeah, know in, that that is a podcast solely for the Houston Rockets. So they have to yeah, have sure. to kind of go off the of deep ends <laughs> on these things. Like whereas we're talking yeah. about the NBA, so yes,
0: <laughs> right, right, and and I think we can. But, but I mean, sure. Like I, I again, I, I can, I can sell myself anything the Mavs do this off season. By the time we get to the beginning of the season, I will have talked myself into it. That's just it's the way, it's the way it goes. So I I get it. But the level of delusion, um, boy, I just, <laughs> I just, again, I, I don't feel good about how much joy that I that I've taken in this one because it's just, it's all the things that we have been saying about the Rockets for the last couple of years, three or four years, and to see so many of their fans seemingly, um, sort of finally come around on it, it's. It's, it's, it, it's hard not to feel kind of, I told you so, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, I, you know, look, D'Antoni, I think D'Antoni, D'Antoni is a really smart guy who I really like. I really like Mike D'Antoni, the person. And I, I really like Mike D'Antoni, the system engineer. Mm -hmm. I don't ever, and I've, I've felt this way. Since probably 2006, maybe I don't ever want Mike D'Antoni to be the coach of my team, as long as I expect my team to actually make noise and be a championship contender. If 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 I have a a bad team with with talent with a talented roster, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't think I would be upset with bringing in Mike D'Antoni for three years to sort of figure Mm -hmm. things out. Or to help my team, you know, you know, start moving in the right direction. The problem is, we've we've said it a million times because we've seen it take place for so many years. He has no second move. He has no changeup mm-hmm. to go with his fastball, and he he never makes adap- uh, 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 adaptations. He he never makes adjustments in the game. It's it's just it's in he's incapable of it. and then the pro the biggest problem is to me when you pair him with a very i think a very smart a very good g a gm who is very smart very intelligent very good and very ambitious but also is too analytically brained to make common sense choices i think and then you pair those guys with a superstar who is just as stubborn as as his coaches and this is the way we do things i it, it just it creates a an environment that it is possible that it can work but when it doesn't work, it is always going to be such a huge flameout. The way it has been for the entire time that D'Antoni has been there. Every time that they have finished the season, they have finished on a huge flameout. And and now what do you do? <laughs> you know yeah. what do you do with with this roster? So it's like again watching the Rockets, Rockets media and Rockets fans kind of come around on. Oh, so you're telling me D'Antoni is not capable of making adjustments? yes, welcome to 2004. Yeah, we said that I mean, when you hired him, you know, five yeah, years ago, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> and wait, so you're telling me that that this model of, of basketball with James Harden doesn't su- have any success in the playoffs? Yes, we have been saying that over and over and over again. And wait, you're telling me that when your superstar is going to have at least two games, a playoff series, where he not just doesn't play well, not just doesn't make shots like Kawhi Leonard just didn't make shots, but is literally actually physically going to disappear from the court. You're saying that that can have a negative impact on the rest of the team. Yes. This is. Do, do you see the problems? Like we're all the things that we've been getting at these, that, that we as outside uh, opinion, outside eyes have been saying for years to see them kind of finally come to these conclusions is, Again, it's just kind of hard not to feel a little, a little. I told you so. Um, I respect that the Rockets have tried. I I will push. This is not what you said. I will push back at the narrative that that was kind of circulating um, after they, you know, they they completely <clears throat> bailed out in that last game against the Lakers of like, hey, we ought to give the Rockets credit because they actually tried in an era, in an era of basketball where so many teams were tanking and were unwilling to to try against the Warriors. They actually tried. I I disagree with... I agree with the sentiment that they were trying, that they that they were, they were went for it, you know. Um, but they weren't the only one. And I don't understand why we've gotten to a... Pl- where we kind of... We've revisionist history this to where the Rockets were the only ones who were willing to go up and face Steph Curry and KD and the Warriors. And I'm, I just... I call bull crap on that. The freaking Raptors made the biggest all-in move ever trading for Kawhi mm-hmm. on a, on a, on a last year of his contract and just and just hoping that they were going to be able to figure it out. Uh the Cavs went for it. The uh uh the, the the Spurs challenged the the Spurs moved things around so that they were able to sign LaMarcus Aldridge and I, like I'm not a huge Aldridge fan but that was a going for it moment. I mean there are other teams that fall into that category as well. It's I don't know. Like I I they're the Rockets kind of sit at the forefront of it, I guess, because, because they pushed the Warriors to seven when they were at full strength and because they went up against them so many times and stuff. So it's like, I kind of get, I totally get the sentiment. But I I push back against the idea that they were the only the Sixers the Sixers went all in last year trying to to put something together I don't know I just I, I don't like the idea that they were somehow the only team that was willing to stand up against the Warriors I just think that's that's I don't know revisionist history well I, I and,
1: and I think some of that too is being in in you know reference to the Chris Paul move and in reference to the mm-hmm. Westbrook Westbrook trade and I so as much as I was right about the Clippers and you were wrong about the Clippers we were the opposite on Russell Westbrook because when that trade went down you immediately were like that's going to be the worst thing ever and I was trying to do the whole I think I was really just trying to not be a a hater for some dumb reason but um you know one of the things that I thought to myself was well okay you get rid of Chris Paul's contract and you get a the same contract basically with a younger player who's a little bit more explosive um or at least was a little bit more explosive and you know my thought process was okay when Harden's not on the court you basically have a you know former all nba all-star point guard that can take can run the game when Harden's not on the court and mm-hmm. so i thought that that could actually work and it you know there were times when it was and it was working but yet yet again we you know like we always said like this is the first year in this this Houston run that i've been nervous about Houston actually making some noise just because i think more about the uncertainty of the bubble and the insecurities of myself and it's <laughs> just everything else. But, yeah. um, but the, the thing is like you, you took the risk with this Westbrook trade and while I do think it was probably a, a decent move in the time and the, the problem with it now is, is that it's, it's now officially failed miserably because you either are going to get a coach that comes in and does the same exact thing and hopefully does better. What probably won't. Or you're gonna have to get a coach that comes in and does and this system's not gonna work with and now you have basically mortgaged your future for Russell Westbrook and James Harden in in two very mm. two very untradable contracts. The only reason Harden will be tradable is because his value is super high right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know Yeah,
0: you can move Harden. You can move Harden if you want to. Now you're you're not gonna get a hundred hundred, you know, uh you're not going to get 100% value in return on that, but you never do when you trade a super. But if you move just, hard, and, and, never
1: then you have basically showing your fan base you've given up. And mm-hmm. I don't think more, uh, Maury and Fertita are those kind of guys. I don't think they're going to be the kind of guys that that wave the white flag, which is which is sometimes good, you know, mm-hmm. And but there's That's a true. lot of times that that ends up putting you, you know, and if instead of a two-year rebuild, it puts you in a five-year to ten-year right. rebuild. And so... I think that's yeah. No, that's totally I think if you're the Houston that's fans, totally that's what you have to be worried about right now. Is Maury going to have the the gumption to admit he was wrong about something and then try to rebuild now, or is he just going to let this fail miserably until one of those two guys forces the way mm-hmm. out? Basically,
0: sure. I mean, I think you ha- We have to say when we're in, in fairness that part of this is. They had to trade Chris Paul. Chris Paul went and said, get me out of here. And James Harden said, get him or me out of here. And so that had to happen. The problem is they made the Chris Paul trade in the first place. And if if it had worked out, if if maybe if he doesn't pull his hamstring and and they're able to, to actually hit a shot in game seven and they actually beat the Warriors, then maybe... It doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we sit here and we said, you know, it it was totally worth it. So it was it was a big gamble when they made that move, because, you know, you're about to have to pay Chris Paul the the 40 plus million dollars for the next few seasons. And so when that went south, they had to trade him and Westbrook Westbrook was there was not another landing spot for Chris Paul, Um, because if there had been, they wouldn't have sent multiple first, they wouldn't have sent first round picks with it to make that happen to make that trade gosh that trade looks so mm-hmm. bad in hindsight um so they had to do it but now but now you're stuck with westbrook and i want to give westbrook i want to give westbrook a break on two two uh, uh, on two fronts one he had freaking covid we have no idea what the actual effects of that are because they they vary from individual to individual and then he was hurt too he had the quad injury and so I don't think he was ever right, um, in the bubble or in the, or in the playoffs. Uh, and also the other thing I'll give him is he, I Russell Westbrook drives me nuts because there's times when I'm like, I love watching him play basketball. And then there's a lot of other times where I'm just like, I can't, I can't handle it. I hate, I hate watching him play. And he just, you know, he, he vacillates back and forth between those things that dude brought it the entire series mm-hmm. and, very few other players on the Rockets fell into that camp. It was like him and P.J. Tucker doing everything they can and a lot of quit and give up from the other guys on that roster. So I give him that, but now you're paying him. His contract, gosh, his contract is $41 million, $44 million, and $47 million over the next three years. He doesn't work with Harden. I don't know how many places he actually works. I mean, that's, that's the hard part is, is for as good as he is for a guy that just made third team all NBA, his athleticism is clearly fading. I don't think there's any, anything we can say to push back against that. Um, And yeah, like maybe because of the injury and because of COVID and because of the restart and stuff, like maybe he was a little bit worse than he would have been otherwise. But when your athleticism, when your game depends on your athleticism and it's fading and also you can't make a shot. I mean, you know, he shot 24 percent from three in the playoffs, but he shot 26 percent from three during the season. So it's not like you can just say, well, he, you know, he wasn't feeling great. It's it's a mess where I, I'm putting you on the spot aside from the contract, because I, I, there's no way you can trade him as a positive asset. OK, I, I don't think I, I don't think there's anywhere in the world, anywhere in the league that you can trade him and get back a return that is anything more than a, a salary dump, essentially. But w- I mean, even beyond that, like, where do you think they could send him if they were if they if they if they put out a for sale sign on Russell Westbrook? Who Who's calling? I don't I don't really know
1: often like <laughs> I've been looking at like so you know as if you listen and, and you know Brian knows this too I am definitely the hypothetical trade guy that's kind of like my you know my big like like this is my favorite season of just get even the most ridiculous trades out there and see what's possible <laughs> you know to do um so let me back up a little bit I think that the the one thing about him that I will say is if you're going to rebuild and get and kind of recoup some of those things that you lost in Russell Lester trade, you can't trade him. Like, to your point, like, he's not going to be a positive asset. You have to trade Harden. And so that's the route they probably should go if they're looking long-term, which is really weird to say. But if you do trade him, like, the only team that makes sense and has the gumption to even take him on because they're also idiots is the Knicks. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. like – yeah. I mean, maybe, like, because here's the thing, like because I've been reading all kinds of, like, Giannis trade possibilities, because I'm in... Oh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of that going out there right now, because that's the, the world we're living in right now. And there's only, like, four teams right now with the space to hold a max contract. You know, and even, like, you know, teams like the Mavs are one of those teams, but they have to make moves to make that happen. And mm-hmm. the Knicks have so many assets that they're going to be a trade partner for whoever wants to be a trade partner, if they, if they're willing. And so, you know, what do you, if you're, if you're the Rockets, I mean, do you go to the Knicks and say, Hey, we'll give you Russell Westbrook and we'll take Dennis Smith off your hands and then we'll take Julius Randall's contract off your hands. And I mean, mm-hmm. that makes sense in some respects, but does it make you a better team? Like, I don't know. It, but if at the very yeah. worst, it, it gets rid of this little, you know, Bermuda Triangle of things that you have going <laughs> on right now, and so like the Knicks makes sense in some respects. Um, yeah, I mean, I think any team that's like just needs to sell tickets would make sense. But I don't know how the contracts work. I mean, like if you could if yeah. you could feel like you know like if you could just, if you could dump him in Charlotte or you know or or, right. or like you know maybe even like if you could convince in Indiana to take him since they're they're about to sign Dantoy. <laughs> so. Right. Like, I mean, if you can get, like, if you can take Miles Turner and, um, I don't know, other players from, from mm-hmm. Indiana, Indiana, that might make sense. But I think that was one I sent you the other day, but I think it was for Harden, was a was yeah. an Indiana trade. Uh, like, it was like Oladipo and Miles Turner mm-hmm. right. would work with right. Harden. So they would work with Westbrook too. Now, but if you're Indiana, why would you do that? You know, and so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. It's like, I, I just don't, I don't know.
0: I wrote down the Knicks. That seems like the most Knicks move ever, um, but, but who knows? I mean, I don't. I don't know what their their whole deal is going to be now that they've actually changed out some of the the leadership there. So I I don't know, but, but yeah, I, I wrote I wrote down the Knicks. The Pistons are the are the most logical choice to me because you could just swap Westbrook for for Griffin and maybe the for the for the Rockets. The in that scenario, they say well. Uh, uh, Harden Griffin works better than Harden Westbrook if if Griffin's on the court, mm-hmm. and so we'll take the chance on on the health that's that's not going to get better. But maybe we take the chance on that versus we know that this doesn't work with Westbrook. And for the Pistons, you say, yeah, he's not been great, but he will play. He'll play more games than Griffin is will, and he is in the East maybe he's good enough to make us an eight seed type team. And that maybe that has more value than, than anything else. The magic maybe is another one kind of in that same vein of like, they always seem fully committed to being the eight seed and never, (laughs) never like really rebuilding. Um, so maybe they would take that on, uh, to make that happen. And they have some contracts that I think you could line up. But other than that, I mean, I just don't, you mentioned the Pacers. I I I jotted them down, but I just don't. I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, that you know? would be like, like basically.
1: Maury has skeletons in their closet, yeah. and they right. and they decide to go ahead and do it. Because, like, I mean, like, right. I, mean, I just don't see any world where, like, I mean, I guess, like, if you were if you were trying to get rid of Miles Turner, like, and then, uh, you know, I don't know, T.J. McConnell and other contracts that you don't want, then that makes sense. But then, you know, the only thing that he does in yeah. in Indiana is give you Depot insurance, basically, and so.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I just, right. it doesn't,
1: you know, that, that, that's just, that's one of the few teams that has movable contracts. You know, I just, I don't think that necessarily is a good fit, but right I, I don't know, man. It's yeah. just, there's so many things about this that, you know, it's just, it's a matter of who's going to let you pull the trigger. And there's always somebody that's, the, that's the one thing about this is that there will be somebody that will come in and say, Hey, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then the we're going to all going to be like, what? <laughs>
0: so you know, yeah, I mean look, the thing is, like kind of what I said, there is no totally untradable contract in the NBA. It's just is the contract tradable as an asset or not? And mm-hmm. and this one is there's there is no world in which there's no team in the league that wants to pay Russell Westbrook forty-one million dollars next year. It's there isn't a team. I I again, maybe the Knicks, maybe the Knicks can talk themselves into that. Maybe the Wizards are like, we'd rather have Russell Westbrook's Albatross contract than John Wall's Albatross contract. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, m- m- something, may, maybe Char you mentioned Charlotte, maybe Charlotte would rather have... Uh, w- Maybe Charlotte would say we'd rather have Westbrook and Devonte Graham in the backcourt than Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham and we'd try to get the eighth seed or something because it means something for us to be in the And you're going to sell tickets like
1: because Westbrook is polarizing. That's that's right, the thing is you're right. looking at teams that basically you're going to say we want this for we want this because we want to sell jerseys and we want and we want to sell tickets. And so mm-hmm. that yeah. that's but, the kind of team you have to find and to me that screams Detroit, <laughs> that screams Charlotte and New York.
0: Yeah. It's just a, it's a tough deal. The other thing for the, from the rocket side of things, you mentioned their their cap situation. They have eight players under contract next year, assuming Austin Rivers opts out, and they're five million from the luxury tax. Like how you can't. It's going to be so difficult to re- rebuild or revamp this team under those circumstances. And you just spent the last three years fully committing to D'Antoni Ball and it is not i'm not going to say it's impossible but it's not easy to go from a roster that is fully i mean you know they traded everybody on their team that's taller than 6 foot 6 mm-hmm. and to to revamp that i mean i think uh i think Elston Turner is the is the assistant coach there he may be the most likely to get that job I, I don't know if Elson Turner is going to be a good, a good coach or not, but just because he 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 has the familiarity with the system, because to revamp that system is almost impossible to do on the fly with the with the roster that they have in place right now, you know. And if you want to say, okay, we're going to trade Eric Gordon and/or Robert Covington, okay, but who are you bringing in that's better than Eric Gordon or Robert Covington that you can get in a trade for that? Like, are you trading Eric Gordon for three guys who make $5 million or something? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a real, and are you finding somebody who wants to pay Eric Gordon $18 million for a guy that shot 31% from three this mm-hmm. year? That's, I don't know. I I don't know that that's, that that fit is out there. They're just, they're in a real bad way. Um, and I don't know. I mean, for me, I I would probably trade James Harden if it was if it was me. I think I would say this is the
1: because you can because you'll get a haul for him. That's the thing is like like if you if you have any chance of being successful in the next few years, like mm-hmm. that's the person you have to trade. As sorry as it's going to feel, and as and as bad as you're going to be in the mm-hmm. process, like you trade Harden and then you let Westbrook go nuts for a couple of seasons. And then you put some young guys or you trade Westbrook too, you know? And it's just, yeah, I, I just, I don't think there's any world where this, this Harden situation is going to get better, you know, especially with a non D'Antoni coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, I just think the, the thing is, I think you are, if you, the, <coughs> excuse me, the easiest thing to do, from a uh just a roster construction standpoint is just to kind of run it back because you're kind of stuck Mm -hmm. right you just say well this is the team we've got and we're going to find a coach that can hopefully fit it and maybe we'll make some adjustments a little bit here and there but we're going to just kind of have to run it back and see what happens if you do that and then you get to the end of next season and you have another first or second round playoff exit or Honestly, maybe you don't make the playoffs in next year's West. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not a foregone conclusion that the Rockets are are a playoff team next year, knowing what we know about um, the, the 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 West and and how how stacked it is and stuff. So, but at best, I don't I don't think you can look at this roster as it is currently constructed and expect to do better than what you did this season. And if you still do this again next year where you run it back and you still fall short of what you feel like the expectation is, then the noise to trade Harden gets way louder. Mm-hmm. And we know the louder it is 90% of the time, the louder the noise, the less you get in return for yep. that because it's, it's the, the pressure's and especially on. especially if and you he calls for the trade too. Yes, because if he calls yes. for
1: the trade, then that means that they know you have to do it. Or if it gets closer to his money, you know, going up, mm-hmm. and then you, you're if you're trading for him, you have less years with him. And so that just I mean, every every yeah. month he's not traded, like if you're actually going to trade in every month he's not traded, his value
0: goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So I'd be, I think if it was me, I'd start making those calls quietly and just hope that nobody finds out about it because. I, I just I think this is the I think the window is closed for what this team. I would is. agree. Now, I mean, who knows? I I don't think that's wishful thinking because Mori Maury is really good at figuring things out and bringing people along and making deals that we don't see coming. I just think they have used up every asset they have um, to put the current roster together, and this is what it is capable of doing. So, I don't know. I, this episode is a million years long, so let's move on quickly. Celtics Raptors. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Celtics Heat. Um, for the record, because we weren't able to record before Game One of the series, I picked the Celtics in seven, and you picked Miami in seven. Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: And we put it on Twitter, okay. so you can't call us out on it. So
0: <laughs> yeah, all sixty followers. Yeah. You can you can figure that out. Um, what a number one thought so far on, on Game One of this series was what a great game. I I love these Eastern Conference semifinals and and conference finals. They have been so good. It's just been such good basketball and back and forth and really exciting stuff. And it's, it's been a ton of fun to watch. That was an awesome game.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, this whole series, I think is going to be incredible. And I just, I'm really excited about it. Like I, I, this is one of those series that I wish, like, I feel like every year in the playoffs, there's a series where I'm like, I wish this was the NBA finals instead. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what yeah. we get with this year. And, you know, and plus like I it's, it's still really weird for me as we said off the air and on the air, like is like the heat <laughs> in, in liking the heat is just still very, mm-hmm. very weird for me, but. Whenever I watched Jimmy Butler do his thing and that Adebayo block was just gosh, that was so great. So much fun to I watch. Sh-
0: I yeah. I don't know how many times in my life that I've been watching a game that did not involve my team, and I literally came up out of my seat yelling like I did with that that bam block. That was that was insane. That was just an incredible, an incredible play. Um where a normal human being, their wrist would have broken off and there would have been blood all over the court, um, and he was able to to pull that block off that thing was insane, man um, what a what a crazy what a crazy close to the game um the celtics i'm glad this I, I, despite the fact that I picked the Celtics and I, I think maybe i'd like to see the Celtics win, although i I kind of waver back and forth on that i'm glad they lost that game they deserve to lose based on. Being able to tie the game on Marcus Smart flopping. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of the flops. I'm so tired of it, man. I, I, uh, and that was an all timer to to somehow pull a point out of your butt like that. Just, oh my gosh. And the 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 last minute,
1: two minute report already came out and agreed. And it's like, okay, then there needs to be consequences for that at this point. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that we're not talking about that and they're not like, you know, reprimanding that situation like i mean i am sure he'll get fined probably but like that was egregious and it was very like mm-hmm. and look i mean we we love marcus smart like that's you know we talk about yeah, him a lot sure. i've wanted him on the mask a couple times like but and in, in, it's not like he, you know there's not every other player's doing this but that was just like when that happened i was like i could not believe they called that call like i i yeah. was i was livid for every everybody in you know miami and so. for sure
0: for sure refs got to get smarter man i mean it's just this all there is to it if they if the nba isn't going to start and i think they should i think like smart got got fined for a flop earlier in the playoffs but it was like 5k who cares like make it hurt make it yeah, they spend that much money on meals it, guys like <laughs> yeah that's that's insane then that, who who gives a rip um but if they're not gonna if they're not gonna take that seriously from a league standpoint then the refs got to get smarter about it that's just all there is to it the the, the ref who called that foul all he saw was that Marcus Smart hit the floor. He could not see what all took place to to send Mark quote unquote to send Marcus Smart to the, fo- to the, f- the floor. And he called the foul. You, you if you can't see it, then don't call it, dude. Let's let's start with that. Um, and you got to know too. Like, I mean, when there's a timeout when when teams. <laughs> You know, the heat huddle together and they say, hey, here's what we expect out of this timeout from from the Celtics and the Celtics get together and say, hey, we're doing this play. You know, here's what we're running. Here's who we're trying to get the ball to. Blah blah. blah. how are the how are the refs not getting together and saying, hey, Marcus Smart flops 450,000 times a game. So maybe be aware of that. Like, let's be sure if we're going to call a foul from Marcus Smart that we know that it was a foul, not just. Him falling down, you know. I, I just be smarter about that. Um, any, regardless of that, great game. It was fun to watch them. I, I don't know. I love watching the Heat play, dude. It's it's such beautiful basketball. It, it's 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 kind. It reminds me a little bit of what the Spurs did in like the, the prime of the Spurs, but with, but, but more exciting. Like it's, it's just great basketball. The ball movement is insane. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be. They go to the right places, but there's just like a little more energy than there ever was with those like Tim Duncan, Mm -hmm. Manu, Tony Parker Spurs and stuff. But gosh, it's, it's exciting to watch. Um, I think this, the knock on the Celtics, this whole playoff run is that they're, is that they're a player short, and I think that really showed in this game Um, because they dominated the first and the third quarter, and then when they had to go to their bench, their bench in this game was basically Brad Wanamaker and nothing else. I mean, Grant Williams and Robert Williams played, I think, 20 minutes combined, and then they were bad. They were both really bad, whereas the Heat can go to eight, nine guys down the roster and feel confident about what they're going to get from those guys. And they're getting, like... They're not getting like Jamal
1: Murray performances from any of them, but they're getting like efficient performances from every one, every one of them. I mm-hmm. mean, even like Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. like who was basically the the hero of that game. He only had like I think fourteen points in the game, but like he does so much more mm-hmm. outside of the box score that that
0: I think that whole team kind of embodies that as well. Boston, too, though I think. For for all that, for as great as Miami was and, and long stretches of this and for as as much as they get from their dip, gosh, Tyler Hero was so good. Um twelve, eleven and nine from Tyler Hero. That guy I feel like I was higher on him than a lot of other draft pundits uh coming into the draft last offseason. And I feel stupid for how low I had him. So <clears throat> if you're a real draft person, goodness. Uh we we all kind of missed the boat a little bit on 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 him. He's 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 been so good. I also felt like the Celtics should have easily won that game, despite how how close it was. I thought they – I think the Celtics excel when they have structure because that's how their team is set up. Um, They're they're so well coached, and the offense that they run is, is really beautiful and fine-tuned and stuff. And in the last 10 minutes in overtime of that game, they completely lost all structure on the floor, mm-hmm. and I think that was their downfall.
1: Which is crazy because you don't usually see that from a Brad Stevens team. Like he's – he's usually pretty good in these moments. And so Mm -hmm. that was, that was a little bit surprising as well.
0: Sure. I mean, this to me at this point, this is the fly in the ointment for, for Jason Tatum. And it's not just for him. I mean, it's, 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 it's most or all of these, the young guys who are clearly going to be the top five, 10 players in the league, you know, uh, over the next few years, Luca does this too. Um, there's other guys that kind of fall into this category where, (sighs) It gets tight. They've hit some shots, and they start they start kind of feeling their own thing, and it's got to be Kobe ball. We've got to go to I get the ball, you clear out of the way, and I make something happen. And Tatum was awesome in this game. He finished with, like, 30, 14, and 5, I think, but he also missed his last seven <laughs> shots. And the shot they got at the end of, of regulation was terrible, just a, just a terrible shot, just uh, not the kind of thing And uh, that, that – that I want from a Brad Stevens team and the, the, the ATOs that they're able to pull off and stuff. And that's the thing that's got to, that's the next step for a guy like Tatum is figuring out that, yes, I can get these shots whenever I want to get them. And I am that good, but that may not be the thing that is best for the team in the moment. And I need to figure out how to work my greatness or my, you know, impending greatness into the flow of the offense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. So we'll see how this goes. I, despite the fact that they lost, I still feel pretty good about the Celtics in this series. I may look like a complete idiot by the time we come back around uh, to record again, but I don't think Kemba's going to continue to shoot as poorly as he has shot over the last three or four games. And I think the Celtics will find ways to involve Jalen Brown more because um, he just was—he was. It's not just that he was quiet in that game; he just wasn't. They almost just had him in, like, the just go, I don't know. Go, all, all he was doing for the majority of that game was spot up threes and try to get an occasional offensive rebound, stuff like that. And I, I don't know. He's better than that. We, I think they need to find ways to, to get him involved a little more. But I am very excited for this series. I hope this is a seven-game series. I want, I want to watch seven games of these two teams playing against totally. each other. So, hey, Brian, I will go
1: him. ahead and close this. And then let's do like okay. a draft episode, like just 15, okay. 20 minutes. Like just close this and then do like a quick intro. Hey, here's our draft guide for the week. Boom. And go, and I, and I can, okay. and sure. I can, does that make sense? I think that yeah, works. Cause totally. like we're at a, like a minute yeah. and a half. We're I know, at an hour we're and thirty over. right now.
0: So Okay. Yeah. No, well, that's good with me. Um,
1: I should have just texted that, but I was just, you know,
0: no, no, it's fine. It's all good. Um, yeah, let's do, let's, let's, I was about to say maybe let's just push next week and we'll do like two or three, but I think ball probably is worth, since he's probably going to be the first pick that he's probably worth. Yeah. A full, full episode. Okay. I'll close it here in a or second. Or we can
1: do that next week. We can do, we can, I don't know, if we want to prepare let's to do that next week, we can.
0: Let's, uh, let's just knock it okay. out. I don't know. Do you have 15 more minutes? Yeah. I don't know. You're, yeah, you I'm gotta good. get up before me. So, all right. Okay. I'll close this and then we'll, okay. we'll get, we'll get out of here. All right, look. This episode's gone on forever, so we are going to uh, we're going to drop the Lamelo Ball scouting report coverage to a little bonus episode that you'll see uh, probably tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. But we'll get out of here in a solid 90, 96 minutes, something like that. Uh, we're doing well, man. We're doing well. Um, again, like I always say, I wish we could record twice a week sometimes because it gosh, there's just so much to talk about. Uh, thank you for listening, listeners. We greatly appreciate you being here. If you like what you heard, thank you. Uh, We really, Again, we we like that you're here. We appreciate you being here. Number two, tell a friend. Uh, Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this show. Helps us a whole lot to carve out a little niche in this very cramped podcast market. And number three, leave us a five-star rating and five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow, like I said, with LaMelo Ball Scouting Report and back next week with more hot NBA playoff content. Until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.